All right, good morning to you. Someone said, what was that? I don't know what that was. I just hope there's not more of them. That's all I know. Hey, thank you so much for being here this morning at Dorisville. And you know, it's good to be home, Brent. It's good to be in a home church. We uh, worshiped last week at Savannah Christian Church. Wonderful church, doing a wonderful work down in Savannah. Uh, my daughter goes, and we had a wonderful time. But there's no place like home. I think Dorothy said that. There's just no place like home. And to come home and experience Christmas, love the beautiful tree. And I was thinking about how everything... You know, Christmas is just everything about it. You can, you can taste it. You can see it. You can smell it. You can hear it. I'm looking at the tree, and I'm seeing the, the green tree. Now, granted, this is an artificial tree, but, you know, trees were originally about life. Of course, the light we're going to talk about today and the red, the blood of Jesus Christ. Everywhere you look and see, the food we taste. The, at our house, we have these little things, you know, candles burning. And we have the little wicker things, with wood sticks in them. And you smell the balsam wood. And you smell it and you say, oh, that smells like Christmas. It's just everywhere you look. But nothing says Christmas, I think, more outside the Word of God than songs. Isn't that right? The music of Christmas is just so powerful. Dave just did a wonderful job uh, singing. Just a wonderful when love was born. There's something about the music of Christmas that really speaks to our hearts. So some time ago, and I really, you know, I'm kind of weird. You know that. Um, but some time ago, like maybe like September, October, I got this idea for a Christmas series based on a Christmas song. And I don't know why I was thinking about it in September, October. I have no idea. Um, but so fruition now is we're, we're doing a series based on the song, Do You Hear What I Hear? And um, let me tell you the story first behind the song, and then I'll read the words to you and show you where we're going to go today. And this really surprised me because I didn't know this until I looked it up. And let me get the names right here. Um, Noel Regney and Gloria Shane. Now, you don't know these names. Noel Regney and Gloria Shane, which, by the way, interesting. Of course, Noel is also the word Noel, and Gloria, of course, is one of the great words of Christmas. Glory to God in the highest. And they were husband and wife. They kept the last, she kept last name kind of thing, but they were husband and wife. And back in 1962, right in the midst of the Cuban Missile Crisis. How many of y'all remember that? Yeah, I was eight years old. Okay, uh, yeah, well, that's, I mean, but still, uh, you know, Judy remembers it very vividly. She said, I remember being afraid. You know, great fear uh, just totally washed the nation. You know, the major players, of course, were Russia and the United States and Cuba. And we really, I mean, we came that close to nuclear war. It was not, it, it, boy, it was just averted at the last minute. And this all happens in the fall. And so this guy, Noel, um, was a World War II vet. And he had seen combat in World War II. And he knew the devastation of war. And he could just see our country and the world falling into another world war. And it really just disturbed him. And he just felt compelled to write a Christmas song um, to, to express the need for peace in the world. And so he got together with his wife. And uh, they, they, by the way, have written other songs, you know, other songs. One by Bobby Benton, Rain, Rain, Go Away. It's supposed to be a big hit. I don't know. Um, but, but they wrote secular songs. They'd never written a Christmas song before. And they got this idea. And with the setting of war being intimate, with the setting of the world being in great fear, here's what they wrote. Um, it goes like this. Um, said the night wind to the little lamb... Do you see, and keep that in mind, do you see what I see way up in the sky, little lamb? A star, a star dancing in the night with a tail as big as a kite. 
with a tail as big as a kite. And then the second verse says, said the, said the little lamb to the shepherd boy, do you hear, and keep that in mind, do you hear what I hear ringing through the sky, shepherd boy? Do you hear what I hear? A song, a song, high above the trees, with a voice as big as the sea, with a voice as big as the sea. And the third verse said the shepherd boy to the mighty king, do you know, and keep that word in mind, do you know what I know in your palace, warm, mighty king? Do you know what I know? A child, a child shivers in the cold. Let us bring him silver and gold. Let us bring him silver and gold. And the last verse then said the king to the people everywhere. Listen, that's the last word over the series. Listen to what I say. Pray for peace. Cuban Missile Crisis, nuclear war. Pray for peace, people everywhere. Listen to what I say. The child, the child sleeping in the night, he will bring us goodness and light, and he will bring us goodness and light. So back in September, October, I got the idea of this series about the, 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 the senses of Christmas, seeing and hearing and knowing, and then the command to listen what I hear. And over the next four weeks, that's what we're going to do. We're going to take this song and we're going to use our eyes and our ears and we're going to stimulate and see the sights and sound of Christmas through this song. Now, if there is, I think, in my humble opinion, if there is a verse in the Old Testament that just really shouts Christmas, I think it's Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 2. It happens to do with light. It happens to do with seeing. So if you want to go and take your Bibles there, get your iPads out, your phones out, and turn to Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 2, we're going to look at really this verse that's so much the key of Christmas. In fact, let's go ahead and read that verse out, and then we're going to pause and pray, and then we're going to see what God's got to say to us from His Word. All right? Here's what Isaiah 9, 2 says. Says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. May I read it one more time? The people walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness. And I chose the ESV for those very words, the idea of a deep darkness. Darkness on them has light shown. Let's pray together. God, it's just so hugely important that you be glorified today. We can't thank you enough for the Christmas story. We can't thank you enough for the fact that you loved us enough to send your son, Jesus Christ. So I want to pray today, Jesus, that you'd be made really, really big. And as we're going to talk about today... There is plenty of darkness in this world. But you are the light of the world. Holy Spirit, ever since I heard that song that David leads us in, would you just charge the atmosphere? May you in no way be quenched or grieved today. May our hearts be open and receptive to your word. May that wonderful word hope resonate deep into our souls. Because if there is a word that really speaks Christmas, it's a message of hope. So, Holy Spirit, draw men and women and children to the Son, to, to Jesus Christ. But Holy Spirit, also speak to our hearts. Those of us who already know that wonderful Son, Jesus Christ, 
uh, challenge us to live in such a way that we are the light in this world. And Jesus, I pray this in your wonderful name. Now, now in this short verse, we see we see who, and we see a what, and we see a where. Do you see those words? We see a who, we see a what, and they see a where. The, the, the who, of course, is simply those first words, and the Bible says the people, the people. And in fact, in the second part of the verse, it's those. It just says those, the people and those. And of course, those two words, those three words, all talk and center down on people like us, people like us. You know, it's, I'm still amazed. We, we were talking in Sunday school today how Jesus Christ, you know, was the solution to sin. That only Jesus Christ could offer the forgiveness of sin. That there's nothing we could bring to the table. There's no way we can forgive ourselves that Jesus, what he did on the cross, and a cross like that extended his forgiveness and his grace to us. And it's just amazing. You know, you know it's really powerful. I, I love the way Jesus saw people. Here's what he says. And Jesus went, this is Matthew chapter 9, by the way, verse 35 through 38. And Jesus went out through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Here, listen, this is it. When he saw the crowds, when he saw the people, when he saw the the broken people, the Bible says he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. It's amazing to me that God, from the get-go, that God from the get-go was enamored with us. I mean, he, he could have so easily just started over, but he didn't. He loved us so much. And Jesus, when he saw these people and he saw how broken they were, he had compassion on them. He understood they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were weary, they were tired, and they were harassed. And doesn't that describe a lot of us? I mean, be honest. Doesn't it really describe where a lot of us have been or are going or maybe living right now? That we're tired, we're weary, and we're harassed by life, ultimately by Satan, by, by the evil forces of this world. I mean, come on, didn't, didn't, didn't our world get rocked just a little bit when Paris happened? When 128 people were killed in this act of violence? Didn't our world get rocked a little bit more just recently in California when 14 are killed. We live in a very, very dark world. But God didn't give up on us. God didn't say they're too far gone. I love that. Because you may be sitting here and you say, you don't know my life, Dwayne. I have really messed up. And you'd be quick to say, God has got to have given up on me. No, he hasn't. No, he has not. Oh, that grace, and we'll get there eventually. That grace is so sufficient. That grace is so great. It really is true. For God so loved the world, that God so loved the world, that God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's incredible. We're a broken, messed up people. And God would have had every right to go, let's just, let's just cancel this one. Let's start over. But He didn't. Instead, He made a way. Instead, he had a plan. And it wasn't a plan like, oops, things went bad. I've got to come up with it. The Bible says, it's describing Jesus as the Savior said, Behold the Lamb of God slain before the foundations of the world. Before we even messed up, God had a plan for when we did mess up. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. 
So who is the who? It's us. The hope of Christmas is directly involving us who are broken, who need a rescue, who need a redemption because we are so depraved, so messed up. So the people, and here we see the, the, the what, the people who walked and the people who dwell. The people who walked and the people who dwell. Let's take that who dwell first. Because who dwell implies where you live. Well, we all live in the same, we don't live in the same neighborhood and we don't live in the same house, but we live in this world. In this mess up world, we abide in a world of darkness. Now, we don't often see that because, you know, you're sitting there today and you're going, you know, my life is pretty good, Dwayne. I got a great job. I have security in the bank. I've got good kids. I've got a good wife. My life is pretty good. Yeah, but here's the crazy part. The crazy part is the bottom line is we still live in this very dark world. We live in this crazy dark world. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like the deep sea creatures. Now, how many of y'all like to watch the National Geographic and all those kinds of stuff? I love that stuff. I eat that stuff up. And so sometimes they'll show a show and they'll take a camera and put it like four miles down in the sea. And they can expect nothing because it's like deep darkness. Like we're talking about deep darkness, no pun intended. And they'll be on the whole, there's these animals. And they're living there, and we would be tempted to go, oh, look at the animals. They seem quite content, and they are. You know why the animals in the deep, deep darkness are content to live in the deep, deep darkness? Because they've never experienced the light. And that's the way we are. We live in this world if we've never experienced Jesus, and we've never experienced grace, and we've never experienced forgiveness, and we have no clue really about what God is, but we know what religion is, but we really don't know what God is. But man, when you taste grace, when you taste forgiveness, when you start understanding there's a God who loved enough to allow His Son to die on a cross, when you start understanding it's not a bunch of rules to be kept, that it really is a freedom, it's freeing, it gets pretty good. It gets pretty good. But the truth is, not only do we live in this dark world, but we also walk in this dark world. In other words, we do life in this dark world. You know, every once in a while you hear it. You know, why didn't God do this? And why didn't God do that? And why did God allow that? It's almost like we blame God for the bad stuff. No, the truth is, we do blame God for the bad stuff. But you got to remember, He didn't start the world this way. All this thing that we call pain and suffering and accidents and tornadoes and all these different things, the violence and the evil in this world, that wasn't God's original plan. He didn't come up with the idea. He goes, oh, I think we'll just have an evil world. No, you remember it was our disobedience that created this evil, dark world. It's us. It's us. So as you journey through life, You're going to live in a dark world, but you may have the light around you. But the bottom line is you're going to stumble in some circumstances caused by a dark world. If you're here today and the doctor said the word cancer, if if you've been to, you know, four of our families, closely related or in our church, four have been to the funeral home in the last week or so, some this week. You know, death wasn't God's original plan. That all happened because of the darkness of our disobedience, because of our sin. So the truth is, as we walk in darkness, we will stumble into darkness. I put down my note sheet, darkness begets darkness. Dark things happen because of a dark world. 
The things that we so push back from God on is often because we live in this dark world. It's a consequence, if you will, of living in this dark world. Things happen like that because we're in the dark world. But God brought light. And I still don't know the meaning of this, but it surely is worth writing down because it sounds so deep. And y'all know I'm not a very deep preacher, so if it sounds deep to you, you might want to write this down. Dwayne sounded deep on December the 6th. Here's how it goes. It was Black Friday, no pun intended. It was Black Friday morning, the day after Thanksgiving, and Judy and I, were we spent the night in Vienna with Rebecca and Jonathan and the kids, and we were leaving that day to drive to another dark place, the Taylor family reunion. We Taylors are just weird. But anyway, that was a joke. They're good people. That's why I stay up here. But no, no, never mind. So, so anyway, so anyway, so it's dark. I mean, it's dark. And, and the weatherman had said it's going to rain. And so we were like, you know, is it raining? So I flipped on the front porch light, the front porch light of Rebecca's house. And here's the thing worth writing down. I said to no one in particular, but my son-in-law, Matt, another preacher, was sitting there. And I said, hmm. I flipped on the light, and all I can see is darkness. Doesn't that sound profound? Write it down. Hey, we'll figure out what it means later. Just write it down. This really sounds deep. I flipped on the light, and all I saw was darkness. And what I was saying was this. Where I immediately was, where the porch limits were, I could see. But just beyond that was darkness. And that's sometimes how we walk through life. Our, our, the, the light of our Christ experience is so limited, we don't have it casting out. And so, so when we walk from the light into the dark and the circumstance so heavy, it causes us to doubt our God. We want to have a faith so deep and a light so bright that it dispels the darkness. Amen? When we flip our light on, let's make sure that our faith is so deep and so wide that, that it casts away the darkness, even if it means a stumble or a fall later on. So, so the people walked and walked in darkness and who dwell in this darkness. Now, you've got to ask the question, where did the darkness come from? Now, if you're halfway a Bible student, you probably know exactly where I'm going with this. Again, if God didn't create the world this way, then where did the darkness came, come from? And it came from Genesis 3. Well, actually, it came from what happened in Genesis 3. You know, we have, we have a situation where there's, where it's God's beautiful, perfect creation, man and woman, Adam and Eve, and they're in the garden, and the, and the serpent, Satan, comes up and says, you know, did God really say you couldn't eat the fruit? You know the story. And she said, yeah, we can eat the fruit, we can eat the fruit, but, but not of that tree. We're not supposed to touch it either. And he said, well, listen, God's just holding back on you. <laughs> That's not a new message. We hear it all the time. God's just holding back on you. God doesn't want you to be happy. God doesn't want you to be fulfilled. He's holding back on you. And somehow he convinced Eve that that was right. And she saw the fruit. It was good for food. It was attractive. Something desired. Hey, it'll make me smart. And she disobeyed God because God had said, don't eat of that tree. And she disobeyed. And God had said, when you eat it, you're going to die. And Satan had said, you won't die. And I just wonder if when she took that bite did, and she didn't like fall over dead, did, did Eve go, you know, He's right. He's right. Didn't die. But something did die. The relationship with God, the Creator, died. The, the 
relationship with holy God at that moment. That's where the darkness came. That's when the, that's when the lights, the day the lights went out. That was the day the lights went out. That's when our world, the one we live in today, zillions of years later, that's how, that's the darkness of the world today started on that day when Eve walked over and flipped the light switch out. And she chose disobedience. And she chose independence from God. And she chose sin. And the light went out. And we live today in a world of darkness because of that. But God didn't leave us there. It's so great that that God didn't leave us stumbling around into the darkness. He had a plan. And that plan is what Christmas is all about. See, see, in the second part there, you know, where he says the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, that gives us an idea of just how dark the world really is. How dark, how dark did it get when they flipped the switch? You know where I went to? As I'm studying for this, I thought again, once again, you know, in the book of Matthew and and chapter 27, verses 45 and 46. It's one of my favorite parts of the crucifixion story because it just shows the depth of the price that Jesus paid. And it goes like this. It goes something like this. This would be the Dwayne Taylor translation. The Bible says, about three o'clock, darkness fell over the earth. About three o'clock, darkness fell. Over the earth. Now, in this process, you know, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one who was born, born around that tree and now is hanging on that tree. The one we celebrate at that tree is now hanging on that tree. And all the sins of the world, he became all of that. You know, it's very appropriate. I'm wearing black. Someone said, Johnny Cash. No, it's the darkness. It's the darkness. And that day, God turned out the lights, separating, um, separating himself from his son. So much to the point where the son of God said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When, when God the son feels so separated from his father, it causes him to cry out and say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That he understood the darkness. I don't think we understand the darkness. Judy, I think if we understood the darkness, we would flock to Africa. We would flock to Uganda. We would flock two doors, two blocks north. We would flock across the town. Nothing. If we understood the darkness. See, Jesus understood the darkness. He experienced the darkness. Because he did, it drove him to do what he did. And if we understood the darkness, it would drive us to do what we should do. To give, to sacrifice, to go, to serve. All those things. So they're in this deep darkness and he cries out, God, God, why have you forsaken me? You know, that scripture we all love, in, especially at funerals, you know, it's the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And halfway down there in, in the middle of, of that Psalm, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I'm not sure the validity of this translation, the International Standard Version, But here's what the words it chose to translate there. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of deep darkness. Yea, though I walk through the valley of deep darkness. Again, that so pictures this deep darkness. And when we lose a loved one, when death seems to win again and again and again, when death seems to conquer, it's that time of deep darkness. And then there's this, I told several people, this is a weird sermon, because I'm using scriptures that I just stumbled upon. Listen to this one. Listen to Isaiah 59, 9. So justice is far from us, Isaiah writes, and righteousness does not reach us. Would that be a dark time? Do you remember how bad it was when you were lost? Do you know how bad it was before you experienced God's grace and His righteousness? Do you understand what it was like before you let Jesus do the great swap? Hey, I'll become your sin and you can become my righteousness. Do you remember when you stood before holy God and you knew you had nothing to offer Him, that you were totally separated from Him? It was a deep darkness. The the righteousness had not reached them. We wait for light. We wait for light. But look, there is darkness. We wait for brightness, but we walk in deep darkness. We walk in deep darkness. That's how the world was. See, back back in Genesis 3, God did two incredibly important things. One, He made a promise. He said, look, This is really dark. But I want to tell you something. There's some light coming. He looked Satan dead in the eye. He looked the devil dead in the eye. And said, let me tell you, bud. You know, you're going to bruise his heel. Speaking about the crucifixion. There's one coming and you're going to bruise his heel. You're going to think you win. You're going to think darkness overtakes and stays dark. There's one thing you need to know. Is that he will bruise your head. You're going to nail, it's my plan that that I'm going to use, I love it, God uses Satan. I'm going to use you, Satan, you and your your imps, and and we're going to allow you to nail Jesus to a cross, because that's the plan, because he's going to die and sacrifice. But one day, he's, he's not going to nail you to a cross. He's going to throw you to an eternal pit of darkness and fire and suffering, where you will be bound forever. And ever and ever. But he didn't stop there. You know, Adam and Eve had gone to the, uh, the grapevine and gotten some grape leaves, kind of covering themselves up, you know, because they were naked and they knew it and they were ashamed. And so they tried to cover their shame up. They tried to, you know, cover their mess up. And so they put leaves on. And God knew the leaves wasn't going to cut it. So he goes, find an animal. We don't know what kind of animal it was. But he finds an animal and apparently slaughters the animal. Because the Bible says he made clothing for them from the skins of an animal. The first shedding of blood, looking forward to a day when the Lamb of God would be slain. It's incredible. I told you, this wasn't some come easy plan. This wasn't like, oh, I need to to come up with an idea. He had a plan. And that innocent animal died to cover up the shame of... Of Adam and Eve. Now, now, it didn't do it. It's looking forward to. And then there's been these, the whole Bible, from, from Genesis to Revelation, the whole Bible's one story. And it's a story of redemption. It's a story of rescue. God bringing us back to Him and making it possible. It's incredible. It's an incredible story. 
You know, there, there's a scripture that I'm going to take out of context, but you'll see why. It's Revelation 4, 5, where it, it contains that part of the Revelation song where it talks about flashes of lightning. And, and it, it looks forward to a time in heaven, and it's talking about Jesus Christ and His majesty. And here's what these, these words say. From the throne, from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumbles and peals of thunder. And starting in Genesis, starting after Adam and Eve sinned, when God made that promise, He sent flashes of light. Flashes of light. You know, I probably saw something. I wasn't sure I saw it, but now I'm convinced I did. I probably saw something most of you didn't see. On the morning of the tornado, uh, February 29th, 2012. Everybody else is in the basement, but me and my son-in-law, because we're stupid, was in the living room. And I think he's more stupid than I am because I think he said, let's go outside. No, no, no. That makes me more stupid because I followed him. <laughs> so, so we go outside and, and we get out there and we're standing there and a big flash of lightning. And he said, I think I saw it. And I said, no, it was moving too fast. I later learned that the tornado was going 62.5 miles an hour. So there's a very good possibility. What I saw and what he saw was confirmed that we saw lit up by the lightning, by that flash of light in the darkness, we saw the tornado. And it was possible because of the flash of the light. And throughout the history of, of God's word, throughout history, God has sent flashes of light, looking forward to the day when the darkness would finally be overcome. He, he, he started, of course, with the skins. But, but then there was a time when the world was so wicked that God saw a guy named Noah. And the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It wasn't that Noah was good. It wasn't that Noah deserved it. He found God's grace. And God told him to build an ark. It was a flash of light, a flash of light, looking forward to the day of redemption. And then God found a guy named Abraham. Abraham, a pagan, a, a worshiper of many gods. And God just looked down, not because he was particularly good, but looked down and showed grace and said, Hey, I want you to do this. I want you to leave where you are. I want you to go to a place. And I'm going to bless you. And nations are going to be blessed because of you. And, and your, your family is going to be like, your descendants are going to be like stars of the sky. And Abraham did it. And the Bible simply says this, that God gave righteousness or showed righteousness to Abraham because he obeyed. He believed. Abraham believed and God extended righteousness. Does that sound familiar? Isn't that what we do? God extends righteousness when we believe. And it's a flash of light. And then years pass by and, and, and the kids and children of Israel in, are in Egypt. And God sends Moses and, and, and through the Passover lamb. If you'll dot the blood on your doorpost. If you'll just believe what I say. Put the blood on the doorpost. Just believe what I say then I'll save you. And guess what? So many did. And they were saved. It was a flash of light looking forward to the day when the Lamb of God would shed His blood. And then the sacrificial system. Every time a lamb was slain, every time an ox was slain, every time an animal was slain, the blood looked forward to the day when the Lamb of God would die. It was a flash of light. 
And the prophets came along and they gave flashes of light. It's powerful. It's incredible. The whole story of, from Genesis to Revelation are flashes of light. But then on Christmas, God turned the light on. You know, 300 years, he didn't speak. You think it's been a long time since you heard about God or from God? You say, God, God doesn't talk to me anymore. Try 300 years. 300 years. And then the Bible says this. Isaiah, still looking forward, says this. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. And the government shall be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father and Prince of Peace. God spoke through Isaiah and said, There is coming a baby. But not like any baby you've ever seen. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And then one day, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. The Bible says that in the fullness of time. In the fullness of time. The day of flashlights was over. In the, in the fullness of time, the day of lightning flashes was over. And God flipped the switch. In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a virgin, to redeem by His blood those of us, which is all of us, who are broken. The light came on. And I love it because all the forces of hell... Everything Satan wanted to do to stop Christmas, he was powerless to do so. Powerless to do so. He thought he could stop Christmas, and he could not. Let let, let me show you a a clip from one of my favorite Christmas shows. All right, Rock, if you'll show that video, please. Poo-poo to the Who's, he was grinchily humming. They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. Then the Who's down in Whoville will all cry, Boo-hoo. That's a noise, grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear. He paused, and the Grinch put a hand to his ear. And he did hear a sound rising over the snow. He started in low. Then it started to grow. sounded glad. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing. 
without any presents at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzle of a saw. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. <laughs> Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Amen? Don't you know that the real Grinch of Christmas, Satan himself, would have loved to have stopped the coming of the light of the world into this world, but he could not. Because our God is that powerful. His purpose and his plan, listen, his purpose and his plan will not be thwarted. And that's why it's so important we do remember in the midst of all the celebration, it is not about Christmas coming from a store or presents or trees or decorations. It is about the light coming into a very dark world. Jesus said in John chapter um, 8 and verse number 12, he said, I am the light of the world. And he goes on and says, um, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He came. He came just like God promised before the foundation of the world was laid. He came. And let me make your day. He came for you. And He came for you. He came for each one of us because we all were broken. We all needed rescue. We all needed redemption. And He came. He came to bring light into this dark world. So today if you're here, and this is all new to you. You're going, well, I've heard about church and I've heard about religion, but, but never have I heard it quite this way. How that God loved me so much. He sent his son Jesus and Jesus became sin, my sin, that I could have righteousness and forgiveness and experience God's grace. My friend Brent will be standing down front in just a moment. And we would love for you to experience that wonderful grace today. You think Christmas has been good in the past? That's a Grinch Christmas. Let me tell you something. It's presents and toys. But Christmas truly becomes live. When you experience the light of Christmas. When you experience the power of grace and God in your life. Not religion. Not being baptized. Not being good. Not keeping the rules. Purely God's amazing, wonderful grace. And my brothers and sisters, for those of us who have experienced that wonderful grace, don't lose it. Don't lose it. Not talking about falling from grace. Don't lose sight of what God has done for you. Remember the day when you walked in darkness before the light was flipped on. And every day, wake up and celebrate the light. Do you see what I see? Don't lose that. A star, a star, dancing in the night. He will bring us goodness and light. will bring us goodness and light. Would you bow your heads, please? God, thank you so very much. Oh, thank you for this magnificent plan. And thank you for the fruition of it. In the fullness of time, God, you sent your son. 
Thank you for that. Thank you that you didn't give up. We were so broken. We were so broken. We needed a Savior so desperately. And you chose to send that Savior. So for my friend here today who may not know Jesus, who has never experienced forgiveness and grace and all of that, would you give them the courage to just leave their seat, walk down, take Brent by the hand and say, okay, okay, I want this. Can you tell me? Can you show me? I want this. So God, in Jesus' name and through the Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw people to yourself. And God, for those of us who experienced it, please don't let us take it for granted. Let us enjoy the light of life. Let us follow you as we enjoy the light of life. And Father, you later on say, and we didn't have time to get there today, but, but you said to us, we are the light of the world, and that means we are to reflect your light to a dark world. And whether it's Lottie Moon, whether it's back to school or Judgment House, all-star basketball, God, wherever we go and wherever we walk, may we be the light and reflect your light into this world. And Jesus, we certainly want to pray this in your precious name. Amen.